Okay, I just got off the river with Jordan. How do I even say your last name? Kanigi. Kanigi. Yeah. Okay. In the flesh. K N I G G E. Yes, sir. Correct. With one six eight. One six eight fishing <laughs> and addicted guides. Yep, and addicted guides, addicted fishing. Um, me and the boys do everything we can to to keep that thing going and bring more content and more more fishing entertainment and education to all you anglers out there. For sure, and I know. Uh, you yourself do a lot of the tutorials and a lot of the a lot of the footage, and it's some great stuff. You're good on the camera. Um, well, I enjoy it, it. and uh, definitely got a big following, a lot of subscribers. So addicted fishing. Um, I just wanted to talk real quick with you, Jordan, about we had a nice little half day on the river. Um, for me, one of my best days on the river here um, this winter. Just really nice getting out and quickly getting into some fish and some different <laughs> runs we didn't have to work too hard at it no it we perfect. Did, didn't have to work really hard at all and so i think we were pretty much fishing uh worms on jig heads the whole time which was a lot of fun yep. i love doing that worm colors um what do you see day over day or season over season for uh, for color changes is it something that you can kind of throw any old worm in there and it'll work or, or do you see specifics with the colors i do see specifics but the minute that i really commit and say there are extreme specifics to it i always use the joke what fish told you that but you know and i think certain colors you have to have in your box and you have to have confidence in because they work so well and there's other colors that you can't overlook you know what I mean? Like today, I think a lot of our success came on a worm that has, for me, been the best worm all year. So that being said, not every color works, but theoretically every color could work. But I have the most confidence in the one that has been working. And being that so, it gets fished, it gets put in the right spots, and it basically gets the chance to get eaten by a fish. More so than any other color. To say if I had a hankering for one color, that's my color. You know, the red haze, addicted worm. And all I fished was red haze. It would still catch fish. But I don't think it would outfish the other color that I can see producing fish every single day, um, given the circumstance and the water clarity. Okay, so now when you when you mentioned the wor worm that we were fishing today, which uh, particular one? Because we got fish, I think, on two or three different colors? Right, exactly. So, you know, there's, there's days when I feel like the worm fishing in itself, um, you know, it's something that I was, it's not something I've done forever. It's something I was turned on two years ago by my buddies that addicted who are, you know, Marlon in particular, who's such a prolific worm fisherman. Um, and it's something that I've taken with a grain of salt because of that. I haven't gotten stuck in certain ways and like day like today or a season like this one where I see fish really, you know, this very last winter, winter of 2018, 19, I went almost like a month and a half of the latter part of the season without touching a fish on the worm. And they were, I was fishing them every day. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. very seldom I was getting them on the worms and where this year for the last month and a half, I have fished nothing but like today we fished two worm rods, Yeah, you know, and it's just, I've keyed and I don't know if it's what those fish are feeding on, if it's the amount of say like lamprey or something that's present in the river system, but there are certain times and there's certain years and you find it out by catching the fish on it. Mm -hmm. Not by just automatically knowing by water temperature or yeah. or river levels. You know, the worm's either going to work or it's not. And when it's working, it's great. It's just like a bead. If yeah. a bead's working, you better put a bead on your line and quit messing around with the worm. Yeah. Um, but all the colors work, but, you know, having that shades. Like today, we got one on the blue tail, uh, pearl body. Yep. We got one on a red haze black tail. And we got one on a Charisse worm black tail. Um, so literally the full spectrum 
almost. Yeah. You know, in the pink, in the, in the pinks and reds. We could have gone to a chartreuse for him. We could have went to a chartreuse. I mean, something might have changed that. Um, but effectively fishing him and having confidence in one of three colors that you can quickly change to mm-hmm. makes him that much more effective, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And so it was, it was really cool. Uh, I do love the addicted steelhead worms, and I've caught a lot on that. Um, red pearl, I think, with a white mm-hmm. tail or whatever. Yep. Um, but I hadn't fished that specific color that I was fishing today until today, and I hadn't seen anyone else fishing the red haze with the black tail or the cerise with the, what black, was it, black, black tail. tail. All three of them worked. So it's cool to now all of a sudden have confidence in those three colors. Would you say it's just maybe having having a couple options per trip? Yeah, and having the balls to try them. Yeah, you know that's for sure. And that's just it. Having like taking the time to change your presentation is is the biggest thing. Um, when I started fishing this week, I was fishing shorter worms. I was cutting off most of the six inch worm and fishing about a four and a half to three and a half inch worm. Yep. Um, where today we put we went bigger on both profiles and mm-hmm. caught the same fish. So. Yeah. Um, you know, having the, the wherewithal to, to switch up your presentation when need be, and then having a basis of color tones through the spectrum is what really makes it more of an elevated fishing um, if you're going to be fishing that kind of presentation. You know, not just throwing your same worm, the one Berkeley worm that's in your box that you've had in there for months on years yeah. um, that never get fished because you don't have any confidence in them. So, yep. so on a certain day... Like today, uh, for instance, light pressure on the water um, as far as fishing-wise, some nice rain on the water, uh, stable water conditions, fairly stable weather. Like, the conditions were just right for a fish mm-hmm. to bite. And I, so if that's kind of the case and they are on a good bite, how much credence would you put to one specific technique rather than just getting it in front of a fish? You know... That's a huge question, and I think it's going to more go towards what kind of water you're fishing. Like today, all the spots we were finding these fish, the river's low for this time of year. Every river is low and clear for this time of year. And the water we were fishing was extremely stagnant, very slow, less than a walking speed. Mm. And so fishing a suspended presentation to where that worm can get a long time in front of that fish and, you know, come to that fish from a distance rather than being dragged down the bottom where it's going to be going over and under structure and the fish can't visually see that presentation as well that's what's going to more change how you're trying to get that presentation down to them you know a bead's not going to work in that stagnant water unless fish suspended which i don't prefer much you know yeah, i like a yep. bead to be rolling down the bottom um a jig is a good we could use jigs all day of course but having something that can fish the style of water that you're fishing the slow water mm-hmm. um is more so going to be how i'm going to target it it's a perfect day for worms today yeah you know yep. that's really how it what it came down to good sky color good water clarity you know go with the tones that are screaming at you and present them in front of the fish how they should be slowly from a float mm-hmm. not off the bottom or bobber dogging or or drift fishing you know Totally. So it might not be that they're that much more keyed in on a worm necessarily, right. but it was presenting very nicely in front of them. So By switching to float fishing, whether it was fixed or, or exactly. slide. As opposed to dragging it down the river. So another funny thing that happened is you, I think, had already turned the motor on. I already had my uh, worm in the boat and everything, and you were basically trolling your pink worm and you got bit Mm -hmm. what do you think happened there i think that that fish 
really wanted to eat that worm. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair to say. Yeah, I think that uh, that worm wiggling around back there in the same style as a plug or say a fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was down in the strike zone at about 10, 12 feet. I pulled away pulling that worm from the strike zone towards the surface. And just that reaction and that, that uh, flighty presentation with that worm trying to swim away must have keyed in on that fish's aggressive nature and, and made it want to chase it down and eat it, which a lot of times we only see in, say, the coho yeah. and different species like salmon where they are very aggressive hunters where steelhead tend to just hang out and and, sur- and survive and live in the river systems. Um, but just having that much more of a, of a presentation that was aggressive and and you know predator and prey basically and that fish keyed in on it i've seen that happen a lot this season where we hook fish as we start to reel in um and i I don't know if there's a way we could possibly emulate that presentation all the time yeah make and and you know whether it's with the diver or something but um that was awesome he just got a bite bobber goes down i tried to pull the boat back up to where he had just gotten that bite and I turned around and he brought in my hand is tugging and and there he was in a 13 foot deep hole you know yeah that's crazy fishing and yeah we were just fishing that water kind of playing around Uh, it was cool to see that fish in slower water on the side with boulders um like he said less less than walking speed um and then that particular one was in a very deep seam that we were fishing deeper now if you were obviously there's no way to know unless you have eyes on the fish but how much do you think in this later season, being that it's late March, how much do you think uh, fish are willing to move for a bait here? Very, I think they're they're willing to move an incredible distance, especially when we're speaking about late March, early April fisheries where, you know, in an area like where we're at, we get an early, we get a late run of steelhead, like a spring run basically. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the more fabled runs. Um, but in most places, that that is the case where you get that spring run of fish in all rivers in the northwest but you also have the the opportunity to get downriver steelhead which are perfectly ethical to fish yeah and and i don't necessarily target them but they're just a bycatch throughout the day uh, but these fish are rebriting they're refeeding they're fattening back up and they're heading back down towards the ocean from their spawning gravel so these fish are extremely aggressive yeah they'll chase almost anything and if you have bait on you'll almost always catch one um, and that is because they're trying to replenish they're not a salmon that's why these wild steelhead are so protected is because they're repeat spawners um, I think some rivers, like, you know, some of the coastal rivers in Oregon have done studies and there's some, certain fish that they've tagged seven times, you know, mm-hmm. has come back seven years consecutive to spawn. Um, and that being the case, those fish are very viable and a very fun fish to catch, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which gives those aggressive presentations and those more wacky, wacky presentations, more validity mm-hmm. during this time of year because there's feed, fish that really are trying to feed. Yeah. And in general, the the late, you know, fresh fish are very aggressive as well, of right. course. Um, so moving into one subject that you've done a lot of tutorials on, and that is a, a very fun technique for aggressive steelhead spinner fishing. Mm-hmm. How about colors there? How much is it getting in front of the right fish in the right way or do you put much stock in colors you know i truly am a big believer that color does not matter at all um, at all at all and, really and, and i have my preferences For i sure. have my favorite spinners but my spinner box looks just like this it's black blue 
pink and yellow and green. And not a whole lot of area. Maybe some bronze as far as blades and stuff in there. But just one of each color of the rainbow, one of each shade. Mm-hmm. And you're going to match that to the kind of water conditions. Again, there's not nothing... There, there's somebody out there that likes fishing a yellow spinner when the water is super clear. They think it's the best. Yeah. And there's some rivers that, that the chartreuse spinner is the best. And they're clear water. You know what I mean? Okay, so you just streams. contradicted yourself. There's some rivers where a chartreuse, you know. Well, I mean, so exactly. What? What? I guess what I, I am hear a fishing guide, so yeah. I'll contradict myself. All. Well, I guess what I hear you saying is that it doesn't matter as much as one would attribute to it. Maybe right. like a jig or a worm and stuff. But you still have your favorites. Yep, I have my favorites just out of confidence and out of fish coming. I've which is I've, good. I've would said you? this for years, dude. I want to start this page or this youtube channel where i take a blue spinner like the chronicles of the, of the blue fox like mm-hmm. to fish a blue spinner and try to catch every species in the world on it because i seriously think it could be done blue on a blue does. blue fox oh you yeah, know what i mean yeah. like i could probably catch over 100 species throughout the world on a blue blue fox it's just it's just everything that a fish feed it's everything a fish knows to eat something that looks like that totally you know yeah. uh, that's something that's helpless and that's that's vibrating and it's intrusive um and so that being said, you know, I'll contradict myself on on water conditions and clarity and so on. But, you know, you're not going to go wrong having your basis of colors. Yeah. But I don't think it stops. It limits you. I think if the fish is going to follow a spinner down, it's not because it's black or yeah. because it's blue or because mm-hmm. it's yellow or pink. It's because it's there, you know. Totally. So what, what about, I mean, would you have confidence to say summer fishing it's getting pretty low and clear Mm -hmm. to throw something clowny out there i think it works great yeah i think summers like those bright colors Mm -hmm. um they're very aggressive even up river yeah okay i would say Uh, and again then the summertime a summer still chasing a spinner more so than a winter or something that's has a lot more turbidity in water and you're going to match your spinner color to the sky color and and the the clarity of the river if mm-hmm. i'm not gonna fish a black spinner in dark black chocolate brown water or i might it just depends on that day if i yeah. if i open my box and my spinners are like you know ones look super dull one's kind of just vibrant and bright and looking at me and one's right there in between i'm gonna go with the vibrant bright one so yeah. that the fish can see it yeah. um but in summer's in summer's terms when you have warm water and you have overly aggressive steelhead you know, I've I've heard tell of people catching a steelhead on a summer steelhead on a cigarette butt, yeah. soaked in in egg juice. You know yeah. what I mean? And they're just aggressive fish. So I'd say even less in the summertime. Yeah. I attribute mm-hmm. a flashy, a good different color to catch. It's a, it's a spinner for sure. It's yeah. gonna if it's an aggressive fish, it'll swim thirty feet to eat it. Mm-hmm. You know, the fish that you want as a as a beginner yeah. or or any angler, you want those easy ones. You know, oh totally. So, uh, spinner fishing. For summer steelhead, um, is that something that you're going to target a lot of the water with it, or are you fishing mostly fast riffly stuff? What's your program uh, for spinner fishing? You know, um, summertime I try to stick to the more oxygenated, fast water stuff that's moving, stuff that has some sort of flow to it and gets oxygen through those fish's gills. Um, but I, I don't, I change my spinner for mm-hmm. deep water. I fish a lot of different spinners, and that's something that people can see on those Addicted Lives on YouTube, um, on that Addicted Fishing page, and in the tutorials on the same channel. Um, is I, I change spinners given the water. I might fish a bullet body spinner um, or like a torpedo body spinner in 
slower water so that it cuts through the water better it sinks down faster it gets to the bottom is where if i'm fishing a six inch deep riffle i'm going to go with a bell body spinner because it has a lot of body mass and a lot of volume mm -hmm. that gets caught up in those currents and doesn't let it hit the bottom mm -hmm. i'm going to keep snagging if that's the case if i go to a thinner diameter spinner i have to whip across the fish's face too fast and with a bell body it's going to float more it's going to stay behind those rocks longer without hitting bottom and I can fish that fast water with that spinner. So that's more of the case um, for summer's deal, like where I'm looking for them, you can catch them everywhere. But changing your tactics to effectively get to a fish, sometimes in a big deep hole, or even a shallow fast water riffle, I'll use a half ounce spinner. Because hmm. you need to get down at a certain point and it's more directory. Like, you know, I want to fish this six inch pocket that a number four blue fox isn't going to get down to because it's it has too much, there's too much water volume moving that spinner up towards mm -hmm. the surface. Yeah. Those royals and those boils. So I'm going to switch to a heavy one or a or torpedo body. But if I'm fishing some sort of rapid or fast water, I'm going to go to that bell body so that I can slow that presentation down in front of those fish, with, which obviously in a slow hole, you don't need to slow anything down. Yeah. You just have to get it in front of them. Now, as we're talking summer steelhead here, because that's what we're kind of gearing up for mm -hmm. um, and getting ready for, what are your, if you had one go-to tactic for summer steelhead throughout any of the tributary rivers, mm -hmm. what would you do? I'd throw spinners. Really? Yep. Um, no, not bait? Not particularly. Just because I'm not one who really loves to fish a lot of bait. Um, you know, it's it's... A pain in the butt, and if we can, if if in fact we can catch the same amount of fish fishing artificials, um, it's even better in my opinion because it's that much easier and more effective and quick, and your effectiveness of fishing constantly is that much better. You know, you're not you're not guessing and you're not wondering if you have bait on if that bobber went down halfway through your 200 yard drift. You know, um, but I like fishing any artificial for any kind of steelhead if possible because it's just that much more efficient. Uh, you know, you're fishing constantly. Um, but I would say, I, you know, I like to throw spinners for, for summer steelhead. A lot of the aggressive ones will always eat it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, odds are if you're in front of a summer steelhead, in my opinion, that doesn't bite a spinner and or whatever one of three other presentations might be. That fish has either, one, been like already been spooked too much, which I don't think is a huge factor, or two, it's been hooked somewhere, mm -hmm. somehow. You know, I notice a lot of summer steelhead in like some of the bigger, clearer rivers um, in southwest Washington where I'll pull over, I'll, I'll go across the pot of five steelhead. I'll watch the spinner swing in front of them. The first fish in line will follow the spinner all the way to the boat and hit the hit the spinner within 15 feet of the guy's rod tip. And then we'll fight, you know, land, kill that fish, pull back up on that pot of fish and literally smack them in the nose with every presentation in the boat. And then I eventually, before I leave, will go over and, and look at the fish and spook them. And that one has a corky hanging out of its mouth. That one, you can see a piece of skin. And this one's got a piece of flesh on its nose flopping up mm. and down. Every one of those fish has been hooked. Wow. Almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's just not an aggressive biting fish. Yeah. You know, there's, you're not going to be able to fool them very well. Mm -hmm. um, but I notice a lot for the lower trib summer steelhead, which is pretty much where there's most summer steelhead. Yeah. If you can't get a fish to bite or you, you can't get a normal steelhead presentation in front of that fish and not hook it, that fish has already been affected in some way, shape, yeah. or form. You know. So you're not going to spend a ton of tr uh, time trying to convince a, steel a summer steelhead? Not not a ton not unless i find them in a pool where they're 
way up on a tributary, say, and there is the, the opportunity to not, where that's the only fish you're going to find yeah, is in that yeah, area. Yeah. If I'm fishing a big river, if I'm fishing most of these areas where there are summer steelhead, I'm going to cover a lot of water and maybe even give those fish rests and go back to them and possibly convince them to bite. But, uh, you know, it might be a month later that those fish turn back on. We all know that late October time, you know, summer steelheading where all those fish that have been around for a while get that little fresh rain and they turn back on. Um, but odds are a lot of those fish that you catch that time of year have already been hooked some way, shape, or form. And if you examine them enough, you can see it. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, three colors for summer steelhead. Doesn't matter if it's a jig, worm, bait, right. nothing. What is it? Blue spinner, red jig. Nope, not 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 a specific. Oh, okay. Just the color. All right, all right. Um, blue, red, and chartreuse. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would say. Blue, red, and chartreuse. Which that can be contradicted by an orange corky all day long, but you know. Oh, of course, I'm, but everyone has their favorites. Yeah, yeah, you know that's that's really what I would. That spectrum, blue, red, and uh, you know an abstract pink or chartreuse, you know, right? Mm. Something that mm-hmm. is completely flamboyant, you know, for those fish. Yeah. Um, summer steelhead scents? I think the scent is huge. You know, I definitely, contradicting what I said earlier, I use a lot of bait in the summertime, a lot of eggs, a lot of prawn, mm-hmm. um, things of that sort. But I do like a lot of scent, you know, any kind of addicted blend scent, any anise. Um, you know, it seems to me that summer steelhead are big time shrimp eaters. Mm-hmm. You know, it's throughout their lifespan, they must eat a lot of shrimp because they really key in on that the shrimp scents yep. and sh- the bait itself. You know, any kind of coon shrimp or sand shrimp, um, you know, anything of that regard, they must feed on a lot of that out in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, Scents the biggest and easiest thing to to apply to your fishing repertoire. That's gonna make you a better angler. Yeah, that's gonna a better angler, but gonna catch more fish. Yeah, it's the easiest thing that you can put on your line or do for your presentation that does help you catch a fish for sure. Do you do it on spinners? Sometimes. Yeah, I've even seen people put prawn on a spinner. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Absolutely. Big hook. Now yeah. we're now we're getting out there. No, for sure. I actually <laughs> had a guide tell me that um, big number six spinners and a prawn. Yeah, I don't know if I'm supposed to say who and where, but he, he told me that was one of his little secret deals is put a coon shrimp on the back, especially if they're, like, a little less aggressive than they are most days. Yeah, I have saw it done. I was with a guy this last fall fishing for fun um, for some chum, mm-hmm. and he was fishing big old chunks of prawn on the back of a spinner. Oh, wow. It was, yeah. was a neat idea. Yeah. So... Well, good stuff. I appreciate uh, talking with you and fishing with you today. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, we got some cool video that I'm going to put on the Salmon Trout Steelheader uh, YouTube. And thanks for coming on the podcast, Jordan. Love yeah, to, thank you very love much. Love to have you on here again. We'll talk about some specifics. But Yep, we'll get the old man out here with us and uh, go catch some summer steelhead next. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys, for listening. And then, again, Jordan, where can they find you? Yep, you can find me on Facebook. Um, on Facebook Messenger, on Instagram, 168Fishing, or on Facebook, Jordan Kanigi, Or anywhere on the Addicted page, you can email addicted.fishing uh, and get in contact with any one of our guides or myself. Um, and I'll be booking summer steelhead trips from mid-May all the way through to September um, here very soon. We'll start filling that schedule up once we get over this craziness of this yeah. coronavirus and everything. But mid-May on, I'll be booking summer steelhead trips in the raft and the jet boat. Um, so we can accommodate anybody. 
That sounds like a lot of fun. I'll have to get you booked up for one of those. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, Jordan. Yep. Thank you, Lucas. We'll talk to you later, bud. Bye.